Welcome, everybody, to the first Top 5, Top 5, talking NFL 2020 draft, specifically the QBs today. I'm your host, IBS Jesus, and my guest today is the commissioner himself, R.C. Carlton. How you doing, R.C.? I'm good. I'm good. You can call me Ronnie. You don't have to give me my. You don't have to do my uh, my public name. You know. You knew me yeah, when. <laughs> All right, Ronnie. Um, <laughs> That's so, actually my preferred name, believe it or not. But uh, my family calls me RC. But uh, okay. the Saltines call me Ronnie. But uh, so, but it got it got mixed up in the internet world. And then, well, I mean, I got 20 names, so I can't say anything. Um, yeah, you definitely can't. <laughs> so we're gonna go position by position, but just. For, Specifically, this episode, we're focusing on QBs. So I try not to, like, do too intensive of a film study because we, we want to cover um, the top five and then also add in another that we know that people want to talk about. So um, I'm not trying to do a whole lot of runtime. So we'll go ahead and jump into it. Um, we will basically rank our quarterbacks Um in the top five, we'll start with number one and work our way down, and then we'll discuss the pros and cons of those quarterbacks and uh, where we see their career path in regards to are they a franchise quarterback or potential franchise quarterback? Could they be just like a filler for for franchise in between, et cetera? So um, we'll start with what I think everybody considers the consensus number one, Joe Burrow, quarterback from LSU. Ronnie, what are the things that you like about Joe? Uh well, I like that he just had the greatest season that ever <laughs> existed in the history of college football. But I think to put that down, the reasons why he had it, and people say, "Oh, it's receivers," and da 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 da. No, no, not really. It's because his his poise, his calm, his ability to read defenses, his ability to get through progressions, his ability to always keep his head up, looking to make a play. It's, it, not only does he excel on just the timing and anticipation routes, the short passing game, or just knowing exactly when to take the shot deep. But the second reaction plays are what make him special. He's made some plays where the play was lost, and then he makes something out of nothing. Between Then you use that and the intangibles, and you've got the making of a special quarterback. He is just a quarterback. You don't look at – all the, like they say, guys are football player. He's just a quarterback. He has the mental traits of a quarterback. Yeah, when you when you look at Joe on, on film, there's nothing that really stands out athletically. Uh, I mean, he's, he's above average speed, but he's not a razzle-dazzle. I mean, his arm strength is, is above average, but it's not Patty Mahomes or, or in, in this particular class, it's not Jordan Love or even Tua. I thought Tua had a better deep ball as far as the, the strength and velocity on the passes. But the the head part, the mental game of, of Joe Burrow is what separates him from everybody else, I think, in this class. And I know a lot of people um, are, are skeptical. I mean, honestly, when you look at his stats, like you said, he had one of the greatest seasons ever. When you look at Joe Burrow from, from 2018 to Joe Burrow in 2019 is almost too good to be true. But I think football minds understand when you get talent and you mix it with coaching and the coaching brings out that full potential, this is essentially what you get. And the product of this player is the max ceiling in the collegiate level. He was the max ceiling that he could possibly get. They couldn't squeeze any more talent or, or um, results out of Joe Burrow than what they got last year. Um, so, I mean, you got to give Brady credit. 
but when you watch the film, it's hard to argue that Burrow isn't playing his part. He's leading this team. And I think one of the big things that separates him from the rest of this class is his understanding of anticipation of routes and, and his in real time analyzing of, of defenses and plays. And that's something that from 2019 or 2018 to 2019, he didn't really get asked to do a lot of, but the fact that he was able to pick that up in 2019 and make it work the way that he did, you have to give credit to the player uh, in that case. Do you agree? 100%. So is there anything that stands out that would, would scare you a little about Joe? I mean, we, I think, you know, the old school way of analyzing pre-draft and things like that, people were talking about his hand size. Um, but, I mean, honestly, from a, from a mechanical standpoint, from a, a result standpoint, is there anything that you that you could say or criticize about Joe? going to Cincinnati because I think, <laughs> okay. honestly, I think it's a, it's a 50-50 shot because we know, and fans miss it a lot of the times, but it's so much about the fit, man. Even Pat, Pat Mahomes, who's this transcendent talent, without Reed, I don't know what happens. If, if Pat Mahomes goes to Buffalo, is he going to have the same success? I, I mm-hmm. honestly don't know. So much of it is about finding the right situation to take advantage of your skill set and just to be in a healthy uh, environment. It's almost like raising a kid. Like you have to bring up your quarterback a certain way and surround him with the things that are giving him success. Cincinnati does not have a history of doing that. That's literally my biggest concern is that the dysfunction of the Bengals, not him. And the same thing. And he did not succeed when they didn't take advantage of his. Uh, that's I don't blame him. I blame blame uh, Ogeron for 2018. Yeah. I, I, you did set him up for success, and Cincinnati could do the same thing very easily. Yeah, schematically speaking, it was it just wasn't a good look for for the talent that he had. And and granted, he wasn't showing the the all world potential at that time. But again, good coaching, a system, something that he's comfortable with, somebody that he can relate to, speak his language, etc. Just comfort in general can really bring out the best in the player, and he got that in 2019. And, and you're right. There should be concerns amongst borough backers of going into the situation in Cincinnati. But to Cincinnati's credit, they have kept weapons around him to utilize. It's just a matter of who's going to be drawing up these plays and, and asking um, him to perform, and, and will they ultimately support him? Because, I mean, he's got A.J. Green coming back. They franchised him. He's still got Joe Mixon, who, who's a, a awesome uh, dual threat back. Uh, he's got Ross with, with a lot of speed. Even though he, he drops the ball a lot, he still has somebody that can stretch the field between A.J. and, um, and Ross. And then he's got Boyd underneath, who, who does pretty good work, Chris route runner, um, definitely a good safety net. You like to see them find a, a tight end and uh, bolster up the uh, offensive line. But ultimately, if you think about the past couple of quarterbacks, let's say Baker Mayfield, let's say Colin Murray, I would say that Joe Burrow is coming into a whole lot better situation than they did. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, it, and if you're looking at what they had on the field the first year, I can say that, but I, I still look at it holistically as the organization, mm-hmm. and I guess you can't say Cleveland because that was such a mess for Baker. 
But mm-hmm. it, like the Greg Williams start coaching the team, it did start working and gave Baker the chance to be the superstar for six games. And then with Kyler Murray, I mean, what better situation than like everybody, like the coach that throbbed for you since high school finally gets to coach you and builds everything around you. So, I mean, I think both those situations have their good and bad. I think it's all about the same, honestly, to me. Okay. Um, so let's roll into – oh, actually, I mean, it goes without saying. He's going number one overall. I would assume we both consider him to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I definitely okay. I think uh, – I was trying to look at doing, like, a new grading system or using the NFL.com grading system, which is really confusing. I'd rather do, like, 0 to 100, but they're – because they have, like, 8.0 and 7.6. But I, I definitely do think he's a franchise quarterback. He has a chance to be, like, a consistent pro bowler. I mean, he has mm-hmm. a chance, the off chance to be, like, great, you know, all-time great. But who wants to put that on somebody? But he definitely mm-hmm. has a chance to be a franchise quarterback, pro bowl caliber. Yeah, I, think, I think – yeah, I don't think he'll be that bad. And, and again, if anybody wants more of a, uh insightful or um, longer explanation, they can always just inbox me or at me on uh, Facebook or – at Ronnie, and, and we'll give you that. But I think there's enough info out on Burrow. It's all positive, not a lot of negatives. So um, it's not really anything to, to overanalyze. He's good. Um, coming in rank number two in this class uh, for me, I'm going to a um, – I didn't look up how to say his last name again, but I think it's Tonga Valoa is how you he said it. You got it. it. Yeah, all right. Um, so Tua Tungvaloa, quarterback Alabama, is he your number two quarterback in this draft as well? He is also my number two quarterback. I just okay. think it's very uh, you you can't you can't intellectually look at the film and say that there is another that there are two quarterbacks in this draft class better than him, or that there that anybody besides Burrow is better than him. Yeah, and and I that's how I feel. Um, in looking at the other uh, guys that we're going to talk about later, um, if Burrow is as close to perfect as you can get, then Tua is as close to almost perfect as you can get. Um, I think the the main concern will always be the injury concerns with him and his injury history coming in, but uh, mechanically it's not all that bad. Um, I, I love his deep ball. Um, I love that he's willing to um, pull the trigger. I think that's also something that I didn't mention with Burrow um, that I see with Tua and Joe in general that separates them from everybody else except for maybe Jordan Love is that these two guys, the top two guys, Joe Burrow and and Tua, they're not afraid to pull the trigger on back shoulder throws, on, on airing it out, but they put the ball in space and adjust on the fly on their throws to allow their receivers to make plays. Like, they, they understand that concept. They understand that if, if I'm running a, a corner route and the, the defender is has his back to me, I can place it over the outside shoulder to make it easier for my uh, receiver to catch the ball or, or place it further into the back of the end zone so he can run underneath of it, things like that. Like, the little nuances – um, when you watch the film of Joe and Tua, you will see that there are very few, very, very few plays where you're like, man, if he just hits this guy, is going for six, that they don't actually just hit that guy and it goes for six. And I think that's the key to, to making your calling as a starter in the NFL. You really don't get that many chances to take a shot or make a defense pay. And these guys – possess that talent where they, you know, if you slip up, they're going to catch you. And it's not just – 
on their wide receiver one. I mean, they I've seen on film where they've progressed backside, back across the field, and, and, and made people pay because somebody fell asleep. So they keep you honest, and I think that's something that you can't necessarily coach up per se, and you would want your franchise quarterback to come in with that that ability to do it. Um, I will, I'll start with the gripe about Tua. Um, and I know that you and I have kind of discussed this in passing, and I think it was something that really frustrated uh, Nick Saban at times. Tua is very um, greedy when it comes to his throws. Um, I I would assume that comes from confidence that he doesn't see a lot of people that can really stop him in regards to, like, defending passes that he throws. But there, there were times this year, for sure, it kind of showed up where checkdowns were necessary, and he wouldn't do it. Like, he, he would just force it deep. And in big games, not against a Mississippi or somebody like that, but against the LSU, it kind of became an issue because then they're turning the ball over, and now they're behind the eight ball, and that defense wasn't that good this year. Um, they were giving up a ton of points um, week in, week out. So when they got behind another good offensive team, they couldn't necessarily catch up. Does that bother you a little bit? Did you see any of that when you were watching film? I see a guy, yeah, that will just force it a little bit yeah. too much and play a little hero ball and can get away with it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's catch-22, whereas when we get to Jalen Hurts, like, I feel like the hero ball isn't as productive. But I see a lot of plays for Tua where the hero ball is productive. So it's hard to find that balance when we say, hey, stop doing this. But so often it works. I know in the NFL, you can't go broke uh, making a profit. So he's just going to have to take the easy play and the check down, and especially with his injury history, just allow the players to do what they're supposed to do. He's basically a point guard. He's a distributor. He's very good at that. He gets to the progression. He puts the ball in people's hands on stride. He gets the ball where they want it, and that's what he needs to focus on. I don't think – I think he does need to be slightly more conservative when the play goes off schedule. So I do agree with you on that. Yeah, I would say ultimately, if we're talking about the true difference in Joe Burrow and Tua as far as what you want out of a prospect, if if we're analyzing the two and comparing the two, I would say it's the consistency. Like I, I saw more consistent uh, NFL-level plays in regards of reading, recognizing the throws and, and positioning of the passes, et cetera, from Joe this year than I saw from Tua. There was, there was a slight inconsistency. Like we're talking – if Joe's an A then or an A plus, then Tua is like a, a B plus, you know, like it or or yeah. A minus, something like that. Like a it's not necessarily problem. it's not a knock per se, but there are there. I think Burrow's place at the top is legit, and, and Tua's place at second is fine. But it it's not one of those situations where, as a GM, me like saying if I had the to choose between trading away two or three picks just to move up to get Joe or sitting in my spot, i.e. from Miami and getting uh Tua, I'd probably sit and wait for Tua. I don't really think it'll it'll be that big of a gap. Um do you buy into this notion that Tua wouldn't be as good if he if he didn't have those receivers? Like I get it. He has some he has some weapons for sure. But like like you were mentioning earlier like, if you look at how he's throwing the ball on time, how he's throwing guys open at times, like, I feel like people don't get enough credit for for positioning of passes anymore. I feel like people just think, well, Judy is a first-round wide receiver. Riggs runs a 4-2. Like, uh, anybody could do that. Like, no. Like, 
you got to give him credit. Like the shots he took and things like that. I feel like you have to see that if you really watch the uh, the games. Do you think that Tua's, I guess, given not enough credit for the Bama offensive success? I think it's just people looking to nitpick at him. I've seen that come up more. But he was already a top prospect before that. He's been a top prospect since high school. You know, his freshman year, he was badly who would do. The year after that, everybody said, tank for Tua. So it's not – it's just a point where people want to tear him down. Like when I look at a guy and he's running an in route or he's running a shallow cross or a slant or whatever, and if you're hitting him in stride and he runs 80 yards, well, you've done your, you've done your part. Like, that's good. You read the defense. You can see him getting to – if he never got through multiple progressions like he, but he does all the time, I would say that. But he reads defenses. He makes tough throws. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's going to be enhanced by uh, – every good quarterback is enhanced by his receivers. But do you make the throws that are necessary? Do you read the defenses? Do you get through your progressions? That's how you can tell how well you're doing because that will uh, wither away when you can't get through the progressions and read defenses. Yeah, and, and I think Joe and Tua both are the best progression reading quarterbacks in this draft, so that also separates them. Um, one other thing, too, is that um, when I was talking about the whole, like you referred to it as hero ball, um, I, I would definitely um, suggest that people go back through and just take a look at some of the big games where Bama had to have, like, shootouts and stuff. Like, you'll see it. Like, you'll definitely see some frustration on Nick's face when there were there were times where Tua just aired it out, and I don't think that's really what they intended. And there was always a, a more reasonable check down. So that's something to keep an eye on um, when he gets to the league because uh, turnovers, they kind of matter, especially in situations where the defense isn't playing good. These are the types of games that you want to see your quarterback kind of pull out. And so um, – it's just something just to keep an eye on, I think, as his career progresses, if, if that will change. Um, so rolling into the number three spot for you, who's your number three quarterback in this draft? It's Jordan Love. Okay. All right. So we, we actually agree on that. <laughs> I will say it wasn't Jordan Love until I started watching um, – for this particular show, and then I would, I, I changed it. Um, the DraftNetwork.com has Justin Herbert um, at number three and Jordan Love at number four. So um, I, I disagree with that. Um, why do you think Jordan Love is the third best quarterback, or why would you put him above Herbert Fromm and Hurts? Love is really frustrating, and I had a really negative um, view of him when I first watched him. And then I, 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 I took a second look, and then I started watching the other guys. And I'm like, you know, of the rest of the guys, besides the first two, he has the most to work with. He has a, a mm-hmm. very strong arm, you know, his balance as well. But what I like most about him is that – well, not most. I think the thing that sets him apart is that he can sustain an offense. Not only can he make the big plays, and he makes some really bad plays, but he can distribute the ball. He'll drop back and throw short passes and cut a defense up, and granted, he'll make mistakes. But he can consistently keep the offense moving, whereas I don't see the other ones being able to do that, except for Fromm, but his his arm is really weak, so he doesn't have the physical tool that you're looking for. Yeah, um, that's ultimately um, what I was thinking when I watched the film. I was just like, you know, if I'm looking for potential, like, 
something I can work with in the future. I do like Jordan Love more than I like Herbert, Hertz, and Fromm. Um, the thing that stood out for me with Love is just the I need gutsy quarterbacks. I know, it, like you like you said, it is a catch twenty two when we're talking about uh, gutsy quarterbacks. I'd rather have a guy take a shot here and there than to to constantly check down check down too quick. And in watching Herbert, Herbert likes to run too quick for me in the pocket. Fromm likes to hold the ball too long for me. And then Hertz also likes to hold the ball too long as well. I feel like you, you stand a better chance at, at somebody that's at least willing to let the ball go. Now, Patty Mahomes had this issue in college where he would just throw it no matter what. Like he was just going to do it. And some of that is in Jordan Love. And I think that and the fact that he's willing to air it like 70 yards down the field if he can get it down there, I think that's what makes people think, oh, this is like a Patty Light. I'm not willing to put that on him because I watched a lot of Patrick Mahomes in college, and he was special. His arm was special. Like, his, the angles he would throw from, uh, the distance he would get on the ball, like, it, it's always been that way to me. And I didn't see some, I didn't see anything special about Jordan Love, but I did see the potential there to, to be a, a good NFL quarterback. Um, when looking at Jordan Love, I think the biggest critique I got on him is his, his balance when he throws. I don't know if you've noticed, his front foot is, like, really far out. It's not it's not a good base. Like, if you look at Tua, you look at Joe, Joe Burrow, I think is, like, pitcher perfect when it comes to, like, a, a good base to, to get everything you can get behind the throw. Um, and you look at Tua, it's, it's not much of a variation there either. Um, but her, Jordan Love's front foot just kind of seems to get too extended. So it, it to me, gives – gives the impression that the ball can sail a little, especially if we're talking about um, plays where, where he's kind of forced to make a throw quicker than he would like. And I don't know if you watched any of, of his uh, lowlights, I don't call them highlights, but like his interceptions and stuff, I, I thought that was a huge thing with his technique, like his throwing technique. A lot of times when passes were um, undercut on, on out routes or corner routes, um, it was because his front foot wasn't under him good enough and he didn't get his money on the ball. And it, and it really affected the velocity. And, and that little nuance was the difference between the ball going over the shoulder or underneath for an interception. It really showed up in the Wake Forest game a couple of times. If you want, if you want to find some bad tape, he has the best, I put this in air quotes, he has the best bad tape out there there is. It is, he has some horrible throws, and I think, like you're saying, a lot of it is mechanical. I think it's been about two months since I look at it, but a lot of it was just mechanics. It was trying to do too much, but just just not being fundamentally sound, and I know there were some coaching changes, and maybe there could be that. I know he mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of help, and so sometimes you have a tendency to force things like that. So I think these things can be corrected, but I also don't give people a pass because what tape shows is what tape shows. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's. I think before I looked, I had him as like a project, so I, I probably had him about like fourth or fifth. But after watching, I, I think there's definitely something to work with there. Um, in regards, I guess Tua, we would consider a franchise quarterback as well. I mean, they're typically the top two yeah. in the draft. You would consider that. Where do you see Jordan Love? Because I've got Jordan Love as somebody I think could benefit from sitting on the bench for a year. 
and coming in Patty Mahomes style. Um, but I don't want him starting day one. He definitely needs a sit. To me, he's a boom or bust kind of project, and you just not quite project because project is like a fourth or fifth round guy who's never going to get in. But I, I, I don't think you can play him immediately. I think you've got to get him in a very structured system, and he can learn that system, and then he can learn how to 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 beat the system or cheat the system and use some of that arm strength or the uh, the dynamic throws that he does. He is capable of be around a really good offensive mind because I think if he goes somewhere where they have an average system as far as the, the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and the way they uh, deal with quarterbacks, he's not going to do well. So, like, if he had the same support system that Haskins has in D.C., whether whether it was the Gruden, whether it was Gruden or Rivera now, he's not going to thrive. He, he's going to need uh, – I mean, it doesn't have to be as good as Pat Mahomes' system, you know, the, the support system, but he's going to need a solid support system to thrive. Yeah. I, I I agree. You definitely want to try to stick him in a situation where he can come in and have vets around him, not come in with like a team that's still rebuilding. Um, would you would you spend the first round pick on Jordan Love? That's so tough. Like in my mock, I have the Patriots taking him. Like in my mock of what I thought they would do, and in my mock of what I think they should do, they end up going to the Patriots. Man, I just. That's really, I'm really, I go back and forth. I, I I could not, I think once you draft a quarterback, you saddle with that guy for about five years, and you're probably, that's your job on the line. And so from what I've seen, I would not risk my job for Jordan Love. I mean, maybe if you're getting him at the end of the first round, then you might not get fired if you don't do it, but, or the second round, but I, I, I don't. Like, I like Drew Locke better. I wouldn't have him that high as a prospect if I was comparing him to quarterbacks from other years. There are a lot of other yeah. quarterbacks more recently that I've liked. So I would not. I mean, I don't have anything against him, but that's not somebody I'd roll the dice on. Unless I had, like, a, you know, if I had an Alex Smith situation where I already had a quarterback that was pretty solid and then you could take him, something like that, like Pittsburgh or uh, I can't think of anybody else. But a quarterback, a team that has a solid veteran but that's not great. They may be second like grooming. Yeah, yeah. I um I wouldn't have him as a first round projection at all if it was any other draft class. But I mean, it's one of those situations. It is kind of tough. If my job's on the line, I probably wouldn't want to do it either. But if if I'm say the Chargers and I come back around in the second round and he's there, I would definitely use my second round pick on him. Because um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they got a pretty early second round pick. If I'm the Patriots, I actually like Justin Herbert a little bit more for their system than I do Jordan Love. Even though I think Jordan Love is the better prospect, I, I think certain quarterbacks thrive in a Patriot system, and um, I feel like he would be better suited for it. But um, anybody after 20 why? that why? decides to why pick him up, is better? why do I think Justin do Herbert think would be better? Well, because Herbert can throw people open across the middle a lot better than he can anywhere else on the field from what I've seen. Um, His best work comes from passes in the middle, a lot of crossing routes and things like that. I feel like Jordan Love's best throws come outside the numbers a little bit more than across the middle of the field. And I feel like Herbert is the type of quarterback – 
that if you don't ask a lot out of him, he can be successful. Um, and I think, you know, the Patriots don't ask – or the Patriots won't ask a lot out of whoever takes over for Tom Brady. I think they're going to want to go a different route and have more playmakers around set quarterback. I mean, they they milked Tom Brady for, what, 20 years? I mean, it's yeah. going to be hard to, to get that back. So I think they're going to take a more traditional uh, concept of putting talent around a quarterback, letting that quarterback – build himself up and then not paying that talent like they did with Tom Brady for so long and then switching people in and out and so forth. But they've got to go through that process of building up a quarterback again. And I feel like Justin Herbert is better suited for that system. Um, I don't – and since we're going in there, I I got Herbert at fourth, so I'll just start. I'm pretty sure you got Herbert after love. Yeah, he's, he's okay. for me too. So – so I say all that about Herbert um, just because he was a senior on a team that returned a lot of starters, and that team didn't really get any better. And I put a lot of blame on Herbert, not on the system or Oregon's coaching, because he's a senior. He was he was projected to be one of the first quarterbacks off the board in the draft of um, 2019. And so you're, you've got these expectations – and it seemed like when things were simple or simplified, he he shined. But the minute somebody threw a wrinkle or something like that, it kind of threw him off. And I feel like Oregon tried to work more outside the hashes than they used to do in, in years past, and I think that hurt him a little bit. I, I didn't get to see a lot of his 20 20- 18 uh, season, but I, I can tell you personally, not even looking at numbers, I'm talking simply about what I saw in Oregon games last year, there was regression, and that's scary for anybody that's looking, especially if you had this kid on your board going top three last year, and then this year, you're like, he's not even top three QB in general, that's scary, you know? Um, so it makes you wonder yeah. about, about, about his future, but I think he's got the athletic ability. I can see why people think Josh Allen. I was a big Josh Allen guy, but I I can definitely see why people think Josh Allen when they see him. Um, I just think also that he he has potential to be more accurate than Josh. Um, His his footwork is a little choppy. Um, J.T. O'Sullivan likes to say toesy, which I like that term because he is on the balls of his feet a lot. And because of that, he, he, he doesn't necessarily get what he wants behind the ball. It also creates issues with his arm angle when he throws because he's off balance sometimes when he throws. His feet are not always set. But that's something you can easily coach. You can easily coach. I'm not scared that he comes from Oregon. I, I think he's a more traditional quarterback than we've seen come out of Oregon in a while. Um, what was the dude, JT Harrington or something like that? Was that – is it J.T. Harrington or Harrington, whatever that yeah. guy's name was? Joey, Joey. Yeah, yeah. Joey. A more athletic, a more athletic version of him is what I see, and um, I don't think, and that's that's being like bare floor, like the the bottom floor of 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 him is a more athletic version of him, and so I'm not too upset with that. What's your pros and cons on uh, Herbert? I mean, I think I think it's funny because we always will be the but the draft process falls in love with these big guys that can make supposedly all the throws. And obviously, so he's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got the athleticism. So if you get a builder player and you were just doing the physical attributes, 
that before you delve really deep into it on the mad profiles, like close accuracy and things like that, but if you're just doing straight arm strength, size, you know, and all that, he's the perfect quarterback. But then when you look at that film and you say, well, one thing, but why did he come back? He wasn't ready. And then when he did come back, he didn't perform up to expectations. There's just something missing about him. You watch those games and sometimes without even looking at the film, just watching him play and he just comes up short. You look at that uh, last play against Auburn and that drive, and he throws it out the back of the end zone. It's just something there intangibly, mentally, is not there with the kid. And and you see it. And, and he did have a good game in the Rose Bowl, and he had a good game in a Pac-12 championship game. But I would also say that the, the general season's pressure was over. That was just like an afterthought, you know. And I know the Pac-12, people could say, oh, it's the Rose Bowl. And all. But, no, it wasn't the same amount of pressure. We saw him play against Auburn, and he doesn't show up. He has a problem with showing up for big games. And – his mechanics, it's just something that's not right. Like, mentally, it's just it just doesn't click. And, you know, I like him. He seems like a really good kid and everything. And I think, like Josh Allen, if you can find a way to minimize his strength, minimize his weaknesses, and maximize his strength in your system, you can be successful. He has a good running game, like Josh Allen does, and a good defense, and you minimize this guy's mistakes you got a chance to be an uh, 8-10 to 10 win team. But he is just going to be, you know, 15 to 20% of it as opposed to where you might want your quarterback to be 35 to 40% of it if you have a good quarterback. So that's where I see him. But I do – in some he's safer because I think his, his floor is higher than Jordan Love because I don't think he's going to be bad if the coach has a brain. I don't think he's going to be bad if the coach uses him correctly. Yeah, I just didn't like some of the the rush for him to either check down or run. It really bothered me, um, especially when we're talking about somebody that um, that has experience. I mean, he's a he's a senior. Uh, the only other person that I I had that gripe with was uh, Eason when I watched this film. Like the checkdowns are just way too quick. Like you got to let stuff develop sometimes. I mean. To me, that shows that you're antsy in the pocket. If you're checking down and you don't have to check down per se, you you still have at least like another second or two. Um, and when we're talking about a second, we're talking about the difference between sometimes a five-yard pass and, and a 20-yard uh, strike, you know? Like things change so quickly. I just need to see a little bit more patience with him. Um, I think I mentioned to you uh, off the record uh, mechanically, I was disgusted in the fact that he was a senior and, and – and we're not talking about the ball flip because uh, Jacob Fromm's ball flip is even worse. It's just like his footwork, like heel clicks consistently, uh, choppy feet, just too too antsy and and um, really like green to me. And and I, I get it. Oregon and college football in general, there's so many intricate things going on in collegiate offenses that you're not always going to get sound mechanics. But there are just some fundamental things that when you're dropping back to pass, you just can't do. And while his arm angle is is fine at times, I think a lot of that comes from the baseball background where, like, literally he's used to throwing from any angle. Um, that helps. But, like, get your feet under you because that really helps on your accuracy. When we're talking about throwing passes outside the hash and we're talking about back shoulder fades and, and uh, throwing over defenders across the middle, things like that. 
if your feet are not set, it, it makes things unpredictable, and then that's when we get turnovers. And Herbert's turnovers have a tendency to come in his biggest games. That's his. Yeah, that's it, been his mo of his career. So yeah, it's just it's just disappointing. You know, for all of his all of his attributes, he's just disappointing. And I could see where somebody would like to hold on to the good stuff, but to me, he's just disappointing. Yeah. Um, where do you see his projection? Um, do you think he could be a franchise QB, or is he kind of in between franchise QB and and like potential backup career wise? I mean, game manager. I think I think mm-hmm. he can be. I think if he goes to the perfect situation, well, it's funny too because if he goes to the perfect situation, I think it can be like Josh Allen. You know, I think there's a lot of similarities. I think he is more refined as a quarterback than Josh Allen is, but I think there's a lot of situation similarities. But he could also be, as far as not necessarily attributes or the style, but the way they play. I mean, the uh, the way it ends out, the production is like Mariota, where they never really figure out how to use him correctly, and it just doesn't work out. So I think that's a spectrum from Josh Allen's career to Mariota's career. Yeah, I, I like that comparison, um, Josh Allen and Mario. That's definitely along the lines of what I expect from him. Um, switching over to the fourth QB, who do you have as your fourth best quarterback? Oh, or, sorry, yeah, fifth, best, best, fifth best, fifth best, fifth best. Fifth, fifth. Uh, see, fifth is yeah. really tough for me. I don't want to be held to this because I don't think – I don't like five of these quarterbacks. I really only like two of them, and I see pretty – I see starting level attributes from four of them where they could have success. Um, so I guess my fifth guy is Fromm. I'm not, I'm not in love with Fromm, but I think the quarterback is a mental position. And of all the quarterbacks, possibly all of them, but certainly of the ones that are left, he has the best mental attributes and ability to run an offense. And, if you're looking for a game manager, is not a bad word. I know in hot take culture it is, but if you get a game manager on your team, you're going to win more than you lose. Yeah. So I always say this about from, and I'm I'm sticking to this. The man can't throw outside the numbers. It's terrible. It's not good. Um, that limitation to me is so obvious on film that it has to be corrected. I don't know how he changes it, if it, if it's a, a mechanical thing or if he just honestly doesn't have the arm strength for it. it. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. He just cannot limit himself in today's game. You cannot limit yourself to not being able to to throw the ball 20, 25 yards down the field accurately especially outside the numbers. You have to stretch defenses vertically um, with all the, the speed and, and things that they can do. If they can press up and, and not have to worry about you being able to beat them deep, you can make it really tough for your entire offense, your running back, tight ends, everybody, you know? So you have to show that ability and you have to show that consistently. And I didn't get that from Fromm. I'm putting Fromm at fifth because um, I don't like Eason. I don't like Hurts. And honestly, I feel a little sorry for Fromm. I, I feel like he's been done a disservice in his collegiate career. I don't think he received good coaching at um, Georgia. 
I was watching. Uh, I, I told you about. It. I was watching the uh, like the QB report or something with JT O'Sullivan, and he specifically uh-huh. stopped the uh, stopped the analysis to to express that he did not like what he saw out of play designs in Georgia, and that it was difficult to really say how good Fromm was because the man didn't get no help from the play design. Like Georgia has amazing athletes. And and he noted that he's like Georgia's got athletes. You watch the Georgia versus LSU game, and it's just it's just a disservice to the kids um, on the field that they really didn't get it. They they were never given an opportunity to showcase that they could compete with Georgia. I mean, with LSU on an athletic scale. Like they had a third and seven. I screenshot it and put it in the group. There was a third and seven where they ran two receivers deep, and then tried to run like a, a post or something with the tight end. Like, that was how they tried to beat one of the most athletic and fastest defenses in the nation. With three receivers, they were covering them with seven people. Like, I mean, what do you expect? And and then the worst part was they covered them with seven, and, and I guess the, like, linebacker or corner or something in the slot, like, he got bored because he didn't have anybody to cover, so he just opted to blitz. Like, he just opted to go out the front. It was so delayed. It was so timid. But Fromm couldn't do anything because he couldn't move in the pocket. The pocket was collapsing around him. And when he tried to step up, this extra guy came in because he didn't have anybody to cover, and he ends up getting a stack. And it's like, dude, that's it's just a disservice to the kid. I think Fromm could potentially have a successful NFL career. I'm not saying Hall of Fame or Pro Bowl or anything like that. But I feel like if he's given proper coaching, um, he could definitely – find a way to, to make a team happy. And you use the word game manager. Um, I can see that for sure. I, I, I kind of see him on the same level as a Kirk Cousins. I don't know if you saw that a lot, but like to the point where when he does find a way to pass the ball down the field, when he does take his shots, it'll be just as inconsistent. But if he's got the speed, he's not scared to throw it. It's just It just won't be that accurate. Yeah, I, uh, I I can see some cousins in him. I, I, I definitely can see that. I see a little bit of Andy Dalton as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. But, it's, again, it's, it's so much about – I know I keep saying this, but it's so much about the scheme and the situation. And if anybody's telling you that they know how great these guys are going to be, they're lying. All you can do is say, hey, these are the attributes I see. This is the kind of system they were fit in. You know, if he went to some kind of West Coast system and, and was able to sharpen some of his skills and some of the nuances, a playing quarterback at the NFL level, he can do he he could be a, a mid tier guy, I think. But it, I don't think the chances of that are high. But it's possible. And and then as, as a parting shot, anybody who wants to challenge me on the fact that I say Kirby Smart is a trash coach, go look at Jake Fromm high school and look at Jake Fromm last year in Georgia. Mechanically, he's still the same person. Trash. That's trash. And I don't know how or why they allowed that double ball flip. I don't know if you saw that. Um, JT O'Sullivan yeah. pointed it out. I I had only seen one, but then when he slowed it down, there are two flips in a lot of his dropbacks. That's got to stop. It just can't be that way. I, I personally don't like anybody flipping the ball like that um, at the at the NFL level, considering how a lot of times in, in today's schemes, they leave guys unblocked 
just just you know for the sake of getting the ball out quickly, they'll leave an end or or a linebacker somebody off. They'll slide the line and leave somebody unblocked. You don't have time to flip the ball forward and backwards to to find the laces. Like bro, you got to find them things immediately. You know, and um, I, there's there's still some some issues with his mechanics uh, on his footwork where it's it's unfortunate that they're still there and he's not the swiftest of people. So he's, he's got to learn, he's got to learn proper footwork back there as well as how to effectively slide in the pocket because he's not going to outrun anybody at the next level. So it's like you, you would think they would teach some of that stuff in college or at least notice it, especially in the, in a conference like the SEC, I mean, they're playing some good defensive fronts and some good defenses, uh, quote unquote, good defenses. <laughs> but uh, there's <laughs> talent there, enough enough talent to challenge you to to better yourself. And I, I just didn't see a lot. Like to me, the saddest thing about my analysis of, of From and the reason why I'm still hanging on to this is because out of all these kids that I watched, he's the only person that I could truly say the first time I ever saw him play. He looks a lot. He looked a lot better than what I see now. I can't even say that about Hurts, and I don't like Hurts. Yeah. So that that bothers me. And, and like I said, I just hope he goes to a, a team that has a good coach. Who was your fifth quarterback? All right. So my my fifth quarterback was from. Um, it was almost Eason, but it did like. Eason does like this chop shuffle thing when he when he gets into his last step, and I just, I can't I can't with that. Not only does he do that, but then he throws the ball immediately to the first person he sees that's open, no matter what the play call is, and it's typically a running back. I can't I can't not at the college level. <laughs> I watched a lot I watched a lot of of Washington offense. I understand that um, it's not the most vertically demanding offense, but, but Peterson ain't going that much side to side, man. I mean, they're, they're running some good route combinations. It, it's people getting open out there, and he just wasn't seeing it. And, I mean, he he's the guy who lost his spot to Fromm, so I can't put put him ahead of Fromm. So, um, yeah, he, he'll he, be a – He's got – he's just – he's another big, big arm guy, big guy, yeah. but doesn't the have arm's two arms big. of the game. He can make the mm-hmm. highlight throws, but he's really reliant on his arm and his lower body mechanics suffer because of it. He doesn't uh, – I don't know. If, I can't say he doesn't feel, but from when you watch the tape in the game, it shows that he has more confidence in his arm than he does his ability to read defenses. And basically he just goes out there and says, I'm going to squeeze it in there no matter what, and I just mm-hmm. don't think that's a successful quarterback. Yeah, and – we can end on who I think is the worst of the best quarterbacks in this draft. I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm not trying to be critical. It's not racist because I'm black. Jalen Hurts is not good. He's not good. He's not good. He's not good. He's not good. And we're talking not good at the next level, like the NFL level. He's He's a decent college quarterback, but every criticism that he's faced in regards to his ability – at the next level is justified, justified. I've never seen anybody leave so many points on the table. And I, and we're talking about a team that was scoring like 40 a game 
and I'm still criticizing that he's weaving points on the field against Kansas and Oklahoma States and things like that. I'm like, dude, there was a play, Ronnie. There was a play in the Kansas game where they ran they ran a combination. Um, they ran a, a like a, a post in the corner, right? The the cornerback is on CD Lamb. And he's he's got he's got I I don't know what zone coverage he's in but he, I know he's got a zone but somehow some way CD turned this man backwards like you can see the back of his jersey I can see his number on the tape Hertz is looking directly at CD does not throw the ball like he's there's nobody else on that side of the field he's looking at him doesn't throw the ball and CD's waving his arm. Because he's running past the guy, because the guy's back is to him, and he's running past him, and he's waving his arm. The ball never got there, and it's it's not all that bad. But there are so many times where in that offense, people are running wide open, and he's not throwing the ball. And then when he throws the ball, his placement on the passes are behind people, too low, the velocity's off. It's just it's just too much this, going on. This is an example. This is yeah. an example of what they were saying about Tua. Is that he has been made to look very good with basically, generally speaking, mediocre, mediocre quarterback play outside his playmaking abilities. But just as an actual quarterback has to make throws, to go through progressions, and do the job of a quarterback, he is not. He is average at best. You're talking about receivers, like like just first of all, his his his. His release is too elongated, so he's got to, it's too long, it's too slow. He doesn't have good pocket presence. A lot of times, these guys have to adjust or jump too high or just can't even get the balls that he's throwing. He misses check downs. He, he leaves the pocket too quick. There's just so many bad things on film that are basic NFL traits that you don't see him exhibiting, and it's kind of scary that a lot of people are high on him. Yeah, it is scary that people are high on him, and I, I don't, I don't think there's enough history in Heisman quarter, Heisman winning quarterbacks or Heisman contending quarterbacks that you would feel compelled to just automatically assume they're going to be successful at the next level because mechanically there's just nothing good about him. The the best attribute about Jalen Hurts that I I could see is that he's a winner, and you could say that about Tebow, you could say that about Vince Young when he. Like were winners in college, that's great. Neither of those careers translated to much at the NFL level, and I just think he's not that big. Um, his arm talent is not that great, and like you said, it's just too much to work on. Honestly, I would be surprised if he's drafted in the first four rounds. I really would be. Like I'm, I'm just being that critical. Jeremiah Bucky keeps saying that they're gonna be first two rounds. He's gonna get drafted. One of the first top 50, that's what Darren Jeremiah said. I just don't see how that could happen. Because if you look at Lamar Jackson and you look at uh, and you look at Jalen, like how could you even think that's the same player outside of they both are black and they both run? Like what Lamar can do, so special from a running perspective, and the way Lamar can pass. Like Jalen will never be the kind of passer that Lamar is or even was running a Louisville system in college. So Lamar was actually asked to go through pro reads and progressions. Probably with Lamar, he's throwing outside the numbers, his mechanic on that. That's like an odd Achilles heel. But the rest of it is there. This guy is the whole body. He's not the heel as far as his weaknesses go. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I don't understand. You know, we see this every year in the draft. People get behind somebody and, and they just run with it. Um, I mean, I like who I like sometimes, but I, I don't see how you can stretch Jalen Hurts into a top 50 pick, man. Like, it's, like top 50 pick? Yeah, that's asking a lot, man. That's asking a lot. If, if I'm drafting somebody in the top 50, I'm expecting them to be ready to start within two years minimum. He will not be ready within two years. He He's not the athlete Lamar is. Um, I think Lamar as a passer got unappreciated in college. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't the best, but he was capable. Like, he, he wasn't leaving a lot on the field. Like, Lamar was a, a big chunk play guy in college when he did pass the ball. So, I mean, we see that in the NFL. Like, typically when he passes, it's a chunk play. It's about a 10-yard gain or something like that, you know? Like, he doesn't do a whole lot of checking down um, when he passes. So, you you can see there's there's the ability there. I didn't see any of that with um with Jalen. Actually the the most disturbing part I think of watching Jalen on film is that it got to a point where Lincoln kinda gave up and they end up being like an option offense. Yeah. He got worse. A lot yeah. of people that watch all the OU games, I think I probably watched five or six. But the guys yeah. that watch the OU games, man, they'll tell you that it was bad. It's just really bad. And you're talking about a team. He's got probably, some people believe, the best receiver in the draft. But the schematic advantage, the physical advantage his receivers have over the competition, it's like there's just no excuse for some of that stuff. And it's just – and then not even to, to, to mention that sometimes, it, more often he should, he won't give up on the damn play, and he'll make a back-breaking bad mm-hmm. choice. And you're just like, yeah. what the hell was that? Yeah. And uh, honestly, I've never – I try not to look at too much going on when I'm trying to analyze quarterbacks because there's a lot going on with the quarterback. But I've never seen so many backs of corners when I was watching the uh, Jalen Hurts film. Like, that, it's just – like, it was disturbing how many times, like, when the like the corners had their backs to the, the receivers. Like, just social distancing was very rampant. And a lot of those um, those uh, plays, and and for that to happen, I just feel like I should have seen better, and I didn't. So um, I will I will probably get you back on for um, for a couple other positions. I'm, I think I'm going to bring Chase in for offensive line because because he really likes offensive line, so I think it'd be good. He's People, yeah. he's, not even, he's not even a. Uh... He's doomsday, and he's not even a fan anymore. He's not a Patreon supporter, man. I don't know if we can have him oh, on. Oh, not? I'm just joking. Man. Oh, all right. Well, just, we'll, we'll, joking, dis- yeah, we'll discuss that's good, that. That's a good shout-out. No, no, no. He, he, <laughs> you know, his business is going on and all that stuff. But I definitely yeah. want to do the receivers. Uh, but, yeah, okay. you're not going to do offensive line. You're going to do offensive line anytime soon? Um, it's very – Nobody I, wants I, to listen really, to that. I know. Nobody you wants to listen to that. Forget all y'all, man. Y'all going to start respecting my trench work. Uh, but now we could do receivers and um, and running that backs. Needs to be deep into the uh, <laughs> that needs to be yeah. deep into the quarantine where people are very very bored. Like the end of April or May, we'll, we'll do. Line. But oh, we'll, we'll do receivers because I think a lot of people are interested in the receivers. And well, and yeah, I'm Jeff, just going I'm like, Jeff. Jeff would be good. Yeah, if, if I mean, I'll, I'll, Jeff is good to have him. I'll just be completely biased and let you know. Okay, what anybody says, Judy's the best receiver I've seen in years, so I don't want to hear anything. He's my number one. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I'll definitely get on that. 
anybody that catches this, um, just to, to end, um, the, the QB draft is not that deep this year, honestly. Stretching it with five is, is what we just did and, and added in a six in Hurts because people keep talking about him. But he, to me, he's not anywhere near the rest of these guys. Uh, I'm along the lines of Ronnie. I'm going to stop at Herbert, so that's four because um, he was our fourth. I would stop with him. Like, you can give me Burrow to a, any day. I can work with Jordan Love depending on the situation. I can probably work with Herbert. But after that, I don't really want anything to do with these guys. So, um, I don't either. Yeah, but we will definitely Nate have Stanley, more baby. than five receivers. Nate Stanley over Hurts. Nate Stanley. <laughs> 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 I, I'm pulling oh. the trick on that, bro. PFF had Hurts' yeah. uh, 10th-ranked quarterback. 10th-ranked quarterback in the draft. Like, it's just an ugly look. If you're looking for pro traits, it's just an ugly, ugly look, man. Yeah, if I was gonna say if you um if you wanted to post that, I'll probably heart that and be like, "Yep, I support this <laughs> message." <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for calling in. All right, no problem. All right, this has been the first episode of Top Five, Top Five, um, which I'm hoping post quarantine uh, we'll transition this to to other sports, not just football. But just do specifically a top five position or top five team like conversation and just talk about who we think are the top five right now at whatever subject matter we're talking about. So this has been the first episode, and we just talked about the QBs. Uh, in closing, our QBs are number one, Joe Burrow, number two, uh, Tua Tungavalua, number three, Jordan Love, number four, Justin Herbert, and number five. Jake from you guys make sure you support uh, listen to us on iTunes share also give us a review this has been IBS Jesus signing off